Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. After, what, about 600 days, give or take a few, we finally see Jordan Love, the Packers quarterback, make his debut in, I guess it's not meaningful, but it's more meaningful than anything else he's ever had in his short NFL career. But Jordan Love makes his debut for the Green Bay Packers, throwing for 122 yards, a tutty, 12 of 17, but, but... A sack fumble in his final uh, drop back of the night before he uh, hurt his right shoulder. Came in for a couple more handoffs and then was shelved for the rest of the game. Rowdy, we saw Jordan Love. It was not bad. Good morning, Rowdy. How are we doing today? Yeah, good morning. It was not bad for Jordan Love besides um, him hurting his shoulder. I would say looking at the Green Bay Packers and obviously Jordan Love getting his first action in an NFL, any type of NFL game. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest takeaway, woofta, that line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can we get a little uh, protection for him? But yeah, but Jordan loves specifically, though, Rowdy. I don't, I mean, it's the f- one game in the preseason, the first one of Jordan Love's career. I will say, though, for all the buildup, after waiting more than 600 days to play a real life football game, uh, going 12 of 17 for 122 yards and a tutty, and he really dialed in on Devin Funches a lot, was, uh, I don't know, that was fine. I'm not going to get like, my hopes up or my hopes down over it. It's fine. Yeah, I thought it was I thought he looked decent. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot to go off of, obviously. He ended up exiting the game earlier than they wanted him to. That shoulder. Yeah, what he's gonna go three quarters, but instead he Yeah, they said he was gonna go at least three quarters. Sorry, Jay Love. Didn't make it three quarters, but from what you did see, I would say there's nothing that you could be upset about. I'd say uh, Jordan Love looked a lot better than Kirk Benkirk. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so there's there's a positive. As uh, Kurt went 8 of 12, 88 yards in a interception. <laughs> Had a sack of 9 yards. Oof, that, that pick was bad. That yeah, was bad. Jordan Love, though, a quarterback rating of 110.4 to Kurt Benkirk's 53.5. So there you go. Um, I don't think Kurt's going to be ever really sniffing the field for the Green Bay Packers outside of the practice field. But Jordan Love, in his time, as Aaron Rodgers was there living it up. He looked like he was having a good time, Rowdy. Uh, over there on the sidelines. I don't know. Other than that, what did anything really stick out for you for the the first preseason game? I mean, I besides think, the line stinking. Yeah, I think the line, but also, but also, you know that that line is not a hundred percent healthy. Yeah, and they're using a lot of uh, rotating pieces, guys that aren't going to be playing in those positions even when it comes week one. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about the yeah. line. I think the biggest. Uh, Standout on defense for me was probably Tredarrell Slayton. Yeah. The fifth-round pick out of Florida, the big uh, defensive tackle. The big boy. Uh, He actually, they moved him all over on that defensive line, and I thought he played decently well for the time he was out there. I think that was the biggest standout for me defensively. So there we go. There's um, there's some standouts there for the first game. Now, I know it was a loss, 26-7. to That's fine. I think the only team to win in the NFC North, I want to say, was the Chicago Bears. Uh, for preseason again, it's it's preseason. It's, it's fine. 
but I guess other good news, looking at the box score, Devin Funches led the way of receiving. He had six catches, 70 yards, as long as was 18 on eight targets. So he's six. Yeah, he had a nice one-handed catch. Yeah, um, so Devin Funches, I guess, from having a year removed as he uh, opted out last year because of COVID-19 concerns, he looked fine. Uh, Malik Taylor, five catches of five targets, so he's 100%, 50 yards. Uh, there's that. Uh, you had Jay Sternberger. I don't know. Sternberger's kind of a turd burger, right, Rowdy? Still a turd burger. <laughs> Sternberger definitely is a turd burger. Uh, we're still a little salty over him and standing up uh, the interview he's supposed to have with us. And isn't he starting the season suspended anyways? Yes. Yeah. And then Kalen Hill gets uh, a tutty. So he had – that was it for him, really. And I don't know, uh, Amari Rogers. Did did he remind you any of Randall Cobb out there when he got his three catches? Well, that was I mean, that was the thing. They, the Green Bay Packers, this is preseason game number one where you're playing with a bunch of guys that are third and fourth string or guys trying to make the roster. Like Malik Taylor, Devin Funches, Amari Rogers. I mean, they showed a little bit of flashes here and there, but it yeah. wasn't like there was a ton going on. No, it was all about just looking at, you know, really what Jordan Love was all about. And what he was all about was he looked fine, nothing to go crazy over. I mean, there's some moments where you're like, okay, I can see it. And there's some other moments where you're like, okay, I can see, you know, he hadn't played for 600 days, a live game. Uh, then he gets hurt. So he's got a dinged up shoulder. Uh, and we'll have comments coming up from Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst as well. Uh, but the MRI allegedly came back clean, negative. Uh, the thing is, he's just going to be missing some time this week, and the next game against the New York Jets is in doubt, said head coach Matt LaFleur. So Jordan Love, we might be seeing a little less of him this week and more of Kurt Benkert. Also why they might have brought in uh, Randall Cobb. Quarterbacks. Oh, Kurt Ben Kurt, <laughs> Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb was the emergency quarterback in his first stint with the Packers. So there you go. So maybe we'll see Randall Cobb, Randy Cobb getting after it. And speaking of uh, Randall Cobb, he was brought back by the new GM, Aaron Rodgers. There is an interesting move out there that it seems like is making some noise and some smoke around the league. I saw Mike Florio, Pro Football uh, Talk having some articles about it. I saw some Instagram stories from some players on the Green Bay Packers, and I saw some other big J's kind of wondering, what the hell, uh, why would this Why would this happen? And I saw some fans as well freaking out. Uh, it looks like, Rowdy, the new GM Aaron Rodgers and his assistant to the GM Randall Cobb are thinking of uh, another move to bring back an old face for the Green Bay Packers. I'll tell you what and who it is coming up. Uh, it's, it's intriguing, I'll tell you that much. And we have some other stuff to talk about today, like, I don't know, the Milwaukee Brewers, dude. The Brewers, outside of that uh, first game of the doubleheader where everything that could go wrong went wrong, Murphy's Law. <laughs> the Brewers look pretty good outside of that game, right, Robbie? <laughs> My God. That was a that was a beatdown from the Pirates, but hey, the Brewers still won the series. So I watched every single Brewer game this weekend, the, both the doubleheader and then obviously Sunday afternoon. <laughs> the first game was tough. Felt good in the first game. I mean, Brett Anderson was rolling along. Brewers were winning. They were scoring runs early, and then boom, boom show. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and it was pretty, pretty maddening. Now, obviously, that was the only loss for the weekend. Brewers win the series two games to one, but man, all of a sudden in that that inning, I think it was was it the third inning? 
Oh. It was just spiraling out of control in that first game of the doubleheader. Well, you know, that first game was supposed to be played, obviously, a Friday night. But friggin' Pittsburgh, of course, doesn't have a roof. Get a roof, you pores, as it was, you know, inclement weather, obviously. Got pushed to Saturday, and then it was just no bueno. Everything, everything going wrong went wrong. And the crew just were like, okay, we're going to forget about the first game. We're going to reset in the second game. And then Rowdy, in the second game, I got to say, I don't know if this is getting old. Um, Well, I know for a fact it's not getting old. In fact, it's getting pretty awesome to continue to see this. But in the second game, the Brewers won 6 to nothing, highlighted, highlighted by a certain man, a certain individual. It sounds a little something like this. And Telez drills one. Deep right field. A no-doubter over everything. River shot for Roddy Telez in the sixth. Woo! Damn. Yeah, he smoked that ball. 107.8 miles per hour. Went 445 feet. For Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, that was deep into the Allegheny. Woo! But yeah, that first game, it was inning number three. The Brewers are up three to nothing going into the bottom of the third, and that's when the wheels started falling off. That was like where they had back-to-back infield hits where they didn't even get it the the ball past the pitcher, and yet they were base hits. Then Anderson would walk a guy, and then one guy would hit one hard. Yeah. Yeah, the first game sucked. Second game, pretty nice. Just heard Rowdy Telez taking her yard right there. So good on Rowdy Telez to continue well, to stay hot. Second game, I mean, they just completely shut down the Pirates. And yeah. Ashby looked good again. And he finally got like a like a like the most normal start under his belt, Rowdy. Except for that was the weird part about both of the Brewer games in which they won. Saturday, the second game of the doubleheader, and Sunday. Both starters looked pretty good. Both starters were done after four innings. Yeah. Okay. So real, real quick, what for the four? Well, the four innings for Ashby was the most he's ever had, right? First, he had one in- most at the major league level. Yeah, two thirds of an inning in his debut, and then his second start, he had what two innings because it was then a rain. Short yeah, rain. Rain got him, and then he had four innings. So we're slowly each time we go about a half, like a, a like a fifty percent more. So, <laughs> but then when he goes and pitches in the minor leagues, he throws six or seven. Yeah. But in the majors, we just can't get him over four. But yeah, Aaron Ashby in that first, uh, or I'm sorry, this, uh, the second game of the doubleheader is third start. And not too bad for the guy. And the Brewers, you know, get her going. And then yesterday, Rowdy, there really was no offense, but it was, um, it was nice to see out there. Eric Lauer went four innings, like you were just saying, allowed one run on three hits, striking out six. Then five relievers finished things off. Hader getting his uh, 23rd save of the season. So I know the offense wasn't there much, but I guess something good to put our hat on was Christian Yelich actually was like the difference, kind of. In the, well, not kind of, he was in the game <laughs> yesterday. No, Christian Yelich, the double that he had to right field, that had to be an absolute laser. It came off the bat over 110 miles an hour, Oof. and it must have been that line drive where it's hit directly at you, which is the toughest play to make if you're an outfielder because they're the hardest ones to judge. Yeah. And with the angle that it must have came off of the bat with the uh, like the launch angle and it being right at the fielder, that must have been just the hardest ball to uh, 
basically realized where the hell it is. Some rocket sauce on it. <laughs> and it went right over the guy's head. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Um, there was an error, right, which scored. The first inning was an error, and um, who scored that one? Was it Escobar? No, someone scored whatever uh, for an error for the Brewers in the first inning. And then Yelly with that double in the third uh, went uh, deep right. Willie Adama scored there. That was a difference. So it was nice to see, I guess, Yelly kind of be a reason why the Brewers won. But you got to look at that uh, start from Eric Lauer and then the rest of the bullpen. And here's something else we got to talk about today. We're just setting the table today. There's a guy, his nickname is The Raptor. The Vulture. That's the new nickname now, right, Rowdy? The Vulture. Brent Suter, I kid you not, now has 12 wins on the year. The second pitcher with the most wins on the Brewers, I think, is still Freddie Peralta. With nine? With nine. Brent Suter is not in the (laughs) Cy Young candidacy race here. Freddie Peralta is, Brandon Woodruff is, Corbin Burns is, Josh Hader is. Brent Suter is not. Brent Suter is the only double-digit winner for the Milwaukee Brewers within, you know, in the pitching staff. Brent Suter is 12-5, and five, Rowdy. The Raptor, no, 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 no. It is the Vulture. What is up with that? What is up with Brent Suter? Does does Craig Council have some personal vendetta against you, me, everyone, to try and somehow does he have some flyer on Brent Suter as a as a Cy Young Award winner? I don't. Get or is it. is Brent Suter like his you know like the manager's pet? Is he is is he's uh is this his handler? I like saying I like saying that. I mean handler basically just gifted a win. Yeah. I mean, he came in for what? I mean, obviously one inning. He struck out two. The starting pitcher, Eric Lauer, had to go five to be the pitcher of record. Yeah, he went four. He rolls through four. And then, yep, Yank with, what was it, about 70 pitches, 72 pitches? 72 pitches, yes, indeed. And Brent Suter, all he has to do is go through that that (laughs) inning without giving up a run, and he's going to be the pitcher of record. Nope. Instead, you know, Eric Lauer, thanks for your service. Four innings of work, three hit ball. One earned run, struck out six, only 72 pitches. Time to park it back down. We got to get the vulture, I'm sorry, the raptor in here. No, we'll go the vulture. The vulture in here to uh, steal your win. And then let Jake Cousins, Boxberger, Devin Williams, and then Josh Hader come in. And Hader did get his 23rd save, helping his Cy Young candidacy. Brent Suter, Rowdy. Man, you think he took a swig of that uh, reusable water bottle uh, when he sat down after the... Uh, <laughs> after his inning of work, and said, "You know what? I did pretty damn good for myself. That's twelve wins for me. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna t- take off for the day." Brent Suter, dude. Uh, Brewers, though, freak, freaking hot. They have some interesting moves they made, obviously, over the weekend that we got to talk about. And more to make coming up this week. And one to make is they're off tonight. They'll get back into action tomorrow, traveling to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. How many times have they played the Cardinals this year? It's only like, three. Only three times. Er- Six? Six, six. Six, only two series. They're three and three against the Cardinals. They played them six times. So the Milwaukee Brewers uh, now have to get into um, a little stronger part of their schedule. I mean, you got three at the Cardinals, three at the Nats, then the Reds, then then you get a little easier at the Twins, but then the Giants, Rowdy. And I know a four-game set against the Giants at the end of August coming into September. Notre Dame has um, named their starting quarterback, the Fighting Irish. Jack Cohn 
is indeed the starting quarterback for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm-hmm. Rowdy, was there, that was like mm-hmm. the worst kept secret of all time. You were the first one on this, Rowdy. Was like, well, he wouldn't have gone there if he wasn't going to start. Yeah, of course. There's no way that Jack Cohn, a guy that that statistically was a top three quarterback in the Big Ten in 2019, was going to go transfer out of Wisconsin and go to another big, big time program in Notre Dame and not no, start. Right. Yeah, that, that just would have been the dumbest business decision of all time if it happened. <laughs> uh, Jack Cohen obviously lost his starting job when he broke his foot uh, before the last, you know, abbreviated season. He broke his foot in practice, non-contact injury. Graham Mertz comes in, and then all of a sudden, I think it was the I was it the Iowa game where apparently Cohen had told the Kristen company that he wanted to transfer out, something like that. Yep. So Cohen now uh, said he's transferring out. You're going to Notre Dame. He's officially been named the starting quarterback. And Jack Cohen, I saw a lot of people saying, good riddance. Like, we didn't need you anyways, yada, yada, yada. I thought Jack Cohen was a pretty damn good quarterback for the Wisconsin well, Badgers. Yeah. I mean, I had no problem with him. And when he left, go do you. I mean, if if you were the starter, you got uh, you got Wally pipped. He definitely got Wally pipped. And, that, and just... Let the let the guy go. I mean, he did well here. It, it's not like he did anything bad. He's nothing but a team player. Nice guy. Is always there to talk up everyone. Right. And he he did that with Mertz. He. I mean, they Mertz talked about it. How we go yeah, how over great plays. He was. We talk about this. We go over that. Um, but he found an opportunity to go to the school that initially recruited him. For lacrosse. For lacrosse. <laughs> and, Let's not forget that. And he's now the starter at Notre Dame. Uh, congratulations. Uh, it's one of those, I don't have any ill will towards him. None at all. And, I'm and excited for know, September 25th. Yeah, there's one game this year. I hope he doesn't win as a starter. Rowdy, you had something to tip of your tongue? Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much all of the news I was seeing out of like Notre Dame camp from all summer was basically that Jack Cohn looked the best out of all the quarterbacks there. But then it would be like uh, Kelly would be coming out and saying, oh, we like what we're seeing from our quarterbacks. We think each one brings a little bit of something different to the table and blah, blah, blah. But then all the other like writers were like, Jack Cohn's definitely the best one they got here. Yeah. And then finally he comes out and sends out some tweets and they announce that, hey, Jack Cohn's going to be the starter. But, I mean, for any Wisconsin Badger fan that's upset that – or you know, happy that Jack Cohn is gone. I don't get it. Yeah. Because I don't get it one, either. the guy probably sat a year longer than he should have. Yeah. With Alex, uh, Alex Hornibrook being there and then absolutely sucking it up in 2018. And then, yeah, splitting that time. And the fact that he didn't go in earlier that season was ridiculous. And then when they finally did let him go in those first couple games, the they didn't let him be Jack Cohn. They no. basically were like, okay, you're going to run five-yard outs when you throw the ball or else you're going to hand it off to Jonathan Taylor and he's going to carry the team. And everyone's <laughs> like, Jack Cohn stinks. Look at that. He can't even throw the ball that, 10 yards that down Northwestern the field. That Northwestern game. Northwestern, Purdue, those yeah. first couple games where he actually started. Yep. And then for some reason gets ripped off the field and Alex Hornibrook goes back out there for a Minnesota game <laughs> in which the Badgers lose the axe for the first time in years. Yeah. And it was pretty evident there that you didn't need Alex Hornibrook on that field ever again no. because the offensive line didn't want to block at all. Correct. Correct. And then they throw Jack Cohn back out there for the Miami uh, Orange Bowl and, and again, goes, yeah. looked good. And then he rolls into 2019, wins the job, obviously out of camp, and 
he was statistically the third best quarterback in great. the Big Ten that year, and that was behind some really good quarterbacks. Tanner yeah. Morgan. Now, I'm, I'm looking here at a Notre Dame publication, and I want to say thank you for thinking of us in this light, but uh, I have to fact check them. They say in 2019, Cohen was efficient while leading Wisconsin to a 28-27 to Rose Bowl victory against Oregon. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. nice. thank you for thinking in your mind, Notre Dame, that Wisconsin did win that Rose Bowl because that, <laughs> now Anthony Lottie lost that one for yeah. him. Rowdy's, Rowdy's buddy. <laughs> it's it's incredible how a punter actually lost a lot of games for him that season. Yeah. You, one thing I will say. Which one did you like more, that one or the uh, the Ohio State one? Define <laughs> define like. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I will say, I and I so don't know if that, I ended up forwarding the article to you because I can't even remember where I saw it. Was this over the weekend? No, no, no. This was a while ago. Um, While they were talking, uh, some Notre Dame publication was talking about the quarterback battle and all this kind of stuff and has quotes from coaches being like, we've never had a quarterback like Jack Cohn before. He's he's asking questions. He's he's staying and watching film. He gets there early. I'm like, what? Like, like, hold on, you've never had a quarterback like this before? Yeah, what was happening in your program before that then? <laughs> but yet, Notre Dame's really good at developing quarterbacks. Yeah. So, I just I just don't get it from the fans, like, being happy. It's like, I don't get it to either. be completely honest, we know exactly what we had in Jack Cohn. Yeah. He was a guy that was consistently good. He's he's not, he's not, I guess you would say, like, top echelon draft first rounder type talent. We all know that, but he is consistent. He can still throw the ball down the field. He is smart. And he proved that when he had a guy like Quintez Cephas Mm -hmm. in 2019, I saw plenty of balls that went for 40 plus yards in the air that were completed. Saw plenty of them just in one game against Minnesota. Yeah. When they let Mm -hmm. him air it out, he looked pretty damn good doing it. Exactly. And he was a guy. they, They tied for the division. Yeah. He was a guy that, uh, <laughs> if you if you uh, look at his career, they kind of, in my opinion, held him back for a year longer than they should have they when totally he was a did. sophomore. And then finally, all of a sudden, he gets the, I guess, his junior year where he balls out, and then senior year he breaks his foot, which is obviously yeah, not his fault. I mean, you, yeah, he's number three in single season passing yards. Well, I think you He's can easily say that record to uh, accuracy, or, or am I thinking horny bro? Out, outside of the one percentage. year, outside of the one year from Russell uh, uh, Russell uh, Wilson, I'm not going to count him because he wasn't a Badger originally. Yeah, but outside of Wilson, man, I think you can easily pencil him in as the third best quarterback since 2000. Yeah, Jack Cohn is a fantastic. I mean, behind Brooks Bollinger yeah. and behind probably Scott Tolzien, it's got to be Jack Cohn. What about Joel Stavik? Well, he's the all-time winning, RJ. You can't touch um, greatness. Yeah, statistically, if you take out Russell Wilson, he's like number two in almost every category. Because he's and, a really good and, quarterback. Yeah. I never understood the people that like bagged on Okay, him. but here's the thing. None of those people would be saying that if Graham Mertz wasn't as highly recruited as Graham Mertz was and there wasn't as much Graham Mertz hype as there was. Like, Imagine if it was just – if Graham Mertz was another three-star quarterback mm-hmm. – out of the state of Kansas, yeah. Would anyone would anyone be calling for Jack no. Cohn to be get out of here? No, mm-hmm. no. They'd no. be like, oh, thank God we have Jack Cohn for another season. Yeah, yeah. So everyone that's kind of like bagged on Jack Cohn, I really understood it. And and the other thing with with Graham Mertz is to me, Graham Mertz is still all hype. He totally is. He's at one game. He, he is a one game wonder right now. 
He's got, I guess you could say one and a half ish games. Again, he looked okay against Michigan. Now, if if you're yeah. going off of his ceiling, but then he lost his receivers in the second half of the Michigan game. Yeah. If you're going off of his ceiling, though, is being that Illinois game, like that's the best Graham Mertz can look. Is that that game? Yeah, he's probably 95% got five percent completion percentage. He probably has a higher ceiling than Jack Cohn. Thanks, but we've seen it for Jack. one game. We saw Jack Cohn look good for like a year and a half. Totally, yeah. and we, th- we we've seen it for one game from Graham Mertz. We saw Jack Cohn look really good against Ohio State too, until they started um, changing things around, and your buddy Anthony Alotti started pooping down his leg, Rowdy. No, th- <laughs> I mean in 2019, Jack Cohn looked good in pretty much every game besides one, and that one game was where his tackles could not block Ohio State's ends. And they didn't let him do anything. Right. They, 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 wasn't it just hand the ball off constantly? Like, we're not going to let you throw a pass five, ten yards down the field. You're just going to hand it off? Is that the game we're talking about? No, we're talking about the game where, uh, where we were Ohio State just yards away. absolutely massacred. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, dude. Yeah. Yeah, massacred Wisconsin at Ohio State. <laughs> oh. In 2019. Okay, you're not talking about No, no, Big I'm Ten talking about 2019. Game. Yeah. Yeah. His one bad game was where his offensive line could not block Chase Young oh, and the rest of the Ohio right. State. Other than that, he he all he ever did was and what they, they asked him to and do. And they kept putting only one guy uh, to block Chase Young. Yeah, and I tried to forget <laughs> I like, that. I tried to block that out of my never, mind. Never used a tight end or a fullback to chip. Nope. Obviously was being outclassed on the edge, but yeah, let's continue to do what we do. I tried <laughs> to block that out of my I mean, brain. other than that game where he, you can't really fault him for not having any time to throw the ball, right. he did exactly what the coaches asked him to do, whether that be throw it five yards against Purdue, throw it five yards against Northwestern, he did it. He did. Whether it was throw it 60 yards in the air against South Florida or throw it 60 yards in the air against Minnesota multiple he times, it. he did it. He did it. He did it, he did it, he did it. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. I'm rooting for Jack Cohn. I'm yeah. rooting for him, too. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, good morning. Steve here. Steve, what's up, my man? Hey, you guys are not making me feel good on a Monday morning. What, the Steve? Um, what the hell, man? Well, I already have this underlying thing. Are you about, a Cone hater? Uh, no. Okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm nervous. I'm not a merch fan. Oh, um, <laughs> oh the he, hype, he the one-hit wonder right now. No, he makes me nervous. He, he's, he, to me, he's what I call... A me guy disguises a we guy. Oh, I can see that big time, Steve. And and that makes me nervous. That he, it just goes against the grain of who, who the athlete that's successful with the Badger football program. And I think Case Wolf is even more of a team guy. I mean, this image, name, and likeness, I think, has it's rubbing you the wrong way, Steve. Eh? Yeah, it's rubbing me the wrong way, uh, and, and I don't know how. See, I don't know how he's perceived by his teammates. But Steve, you know, I think I know that. what it is. I think I know what it is. The fact that you can go and if you know, um, if I remember correctly, Steve, you're a little older than uh, us in the room here. So, Steve, yes. if you have any grandkids, you could go now, like young ones, you can go buy them a Graham Mertz baby onesie. Is that <laughs> is that is that what kind yeah, of it, that rubs it, me the wrong it, way a little bit? Got it. Yeah, it, it does. Purchase. It does. For like it, sixty bucks. <laughs> we we've all seen those athletes, you know. We've seen them in, in the NBA. Me guys, guys that would rather be on a losing team and score, you know, thirty five, forty points a game, and lose, than be on a winning team and have to be a team player. And and I just think it goes against the fabric of, of the athletes that are successful in our program. Yeah. And and I I wonder if the changes made with Chris now coaching the quarterback and kind of Rudolph. Being and the word's not demoted, but exiled. Responsibilities changing. Is this because they're? Is this for 
because of Mertz? They need to make him successful? I, I, why are they making that change now? Because well, I think Rudolph was just so – because they changed a lot of things last year because of all the different stuff coming in because of COVID. You know, like uh, there's all kinds of new rules and new things you had to do and keep a track of. So I think Paul Christ got too much on his plate. And then was giving. This is what the vibe I got from a lot of the comments. And was giving like delegating, um, you know, responsibilities. And then once he delegated some of the responsibilities to Joe Rudolph, for instance, he's like, "Ooh, I should probably take those back now that we're kind of get a grip on things." Because Joe Rudolph did not do the greatest, but Chris has always been good at you know the quarterback and, and uh, calling plays and whatnot. So I think it's a good thing he's taking those back. Well, I think I think it is too. I wonder, I wonder how much Mertz is the motivation to, to, to do that. Um, but I, I'll be interested. I don't know when or how you so, would see it. You guys, you guys would be more likely to see it than than, so, I, than I would. But I, I'm just curious how he's really, really, truly perceived by his. I was just thinking teammates. about this, Steve. So the 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 duties. You know, you're wondering if they did this for Graham Mertz. The duties were uh, delegated before Cone was injured. So it was already, and Cone was going to be the starting quarterback. So that was going to happen. If Cone doesn't get injured, you don't even see Graham Mertz uh, starting as a quarterback, obviously. Yeah. But since Cone got injured, then he's brought up. You have the one, obviously, the Illinois game. And to your point, though, Steve, it's like sometimes I don't want to judge a book by its cover and whatnot but, or like some of the press conferences we get, but sometimes I, I kind of feel the same way to, as you do with Graham Mertz. I'm kind of just like, is this guy like just trying to sell me a false bill of goods here because he's using us as a stepping stone? Like I don't. Something about it seems a little off sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and, and I hope I hope I'm 100 percent wrong. Same. same. It, it's just an instinct. It's just a it's just a gut feeling I have. And um, and why would and why would Cohen give up? I, I agree. I wish he was our starting quarterback on this particular year's team. Why would he give up so soon? Unless he got the same vibe that well, I'm not going to come back here because it's a waste of my time. They've yeah. already they've already decided that Mertz is going to be the guy, and I'm not going to be a number two on this team. Yeah, I think Cohen saw the writing on the wall. I don't know if, the, if that Illinois game doesn't happen like it does. I think maybe Cohen can come back in battle, but I think once once he let the genie out of the bottle against the Fighting Illini, then there was no stopping the Graham Mertz mania anymore, and Cohen was like, okay, i got to go elsewhere. That's just the vibe and, I and, get. That, and that game, is, is, as fun as it was to watch, could be the worst thing. That could be really a bad thing to happen to them. <laughs> oh, God, Steve, now you're making me anxious, dude. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was thinking that. I wasn't going to call and say that because I don't want to bomb everybody out on a Monday morning, and you guys you guys led me right there. So uh, You're funny, Steve. Hey, hey, we'll keep talking about it okay next time again, right, Steve? Sounds good. Thanks, okay, guys. Uh, that's, Man, but here's the thing with like Jack Steve Cohen. Steve just gave me a case of the Monday. Steve just gave me <laughs> no. the heebie-jeebies a little bit. <laughs> the thing with Jack Cohen is you've never seen anybody tweet about him. Besides his is, dad? Which is a good thing. Besides his dad? And it was Wisconsin yeah, quarterback. His dad's breaking. It's news. a good thing. Hey, my kid's starting. Pinstripe that bowl. nobody yeah. has ever tweeted about you. Yeah. Because one, you haven't been bad, and two, you know that all the play goes to the running backs on offense, anyways. And it was all Jonathan Taylor when Jack Cohn was there. Yeah. But yeah, that's the one thing. Like the only thing he doesn't appear on any boards for is touchdown passes. Yeah. Because he didn't have to. Yeah, the only person ever tweeting about Jack Cohen was when his dad got really excited that uh, Hornybrook is getting the ride in pine and that Cohen is going to serve but as I the pinstripe bowl. everybody yeah. in the, the Badger fan base has tweeted about Graham Mertz just from that one game, oh, including everybody. Russell Wilson, including Pat Mahomes. Yeah, Pat Mahomes, everybody. Was it J.J. Pat, Watt, Patrick, I think, threw his Pat. hat? Yep, I think Watt was in there. I mean, they all tweeted about Graham Mertz and how he was the next big thing. 
after one game against Illinois, and Illinois turned out to be, well, garbage that year. Does anyone else get a little weird f- vibe that for the first time ever, the NIL name image like this, that I can go literally if I had a little baby, I could go buy a Graham Mertz onesie for my little baby if I had one? Does no. anyone else get a weird vibe I out of that? I don't think it needed to no, have the really. name image likeness to have that feeling. <laughs> Just because I feel like the hype has been so much, and it's been, you know, all over for the last three years. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't beat Jack Cone out in 2019. He didn't beat him out in 2020 until he broke his foot. Mm-hmm. And who knows if he would have actually beat him out this year if Jack Cone stayed. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win. You get paid. BetUS.com. CBSSports.com proclaims the Packers offensive line losers for week one of preseason football. Uh, Here's a little paragraph. With Aaron Jones watching from the sideline, Green Bay's rushing attack was virtually non-existent Saturday against the Texans. While Houston rumbled for 170 yards on 37 carries, the Packers rushed for just 49 yards on 21 carries. Green Bay rushed for negative one yards on six carries with quarterback Jordan Love in the game. Matt LaFleur would say, quote, they won the battle in the trenches. Uh, basically, Houston played cover two or two coverages all night. They played Tampa two, and they played cover two. Obviously, they're going to play a lot of man. We'd like to throw the ball. We were pretty effective on that scoring drive. If they're going to play cover two, they won the battle up front, though, head coach Matt LaFleur. Yeah, that was a pretty tough scene for that line for the Green Bay Packers on Saturday, Rowdy. That was tough. Yeah, but the thing is, you really don't expect to see any of those tackles play this year. Yeah. Because what do we know? We know that Bakhtiari is going to be out for, well, probably at least the first month. And we know that Billy Turner will be playing right tackle and that they're going to move Elkin Jenkins out to left tackle. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously Bakhtiari didn't play. Elkin Jenkins was not playing. Billy Turner was not playing. (laughs) So both guys that were playing tackle positions, if those guys ever play this season, Packers are already in big trouble. I'd say, look out, man. Uh, look out. Uh, comments from Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach. It, here, here's the thing. It was so nice to see Packers football on the TV. Like <laughs> I'm just glad that I had Packers football on the boob tube. Having <laughs> having those two guys at the tackle position, obviously in the middle it was Myers, then you had Runyon, and then uh, Patrick. Mm-hmm. So those are three guys that will probably play, play quite a bit moving forward. But where the Texans got a ton of pressure – was on those edges. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of like the Alex Light or the uh, De Beer days. <laughs> De Beer? I forgot about that guy. I, I can't remember his first name. I just remember his last well, he name. He had a power last name for a Green Bay Packer, De Beer. But it was basically, okay, you have two guys playing the tackle position that they don't, there's no reason they should be out there on a Sunday. Yes. That's basically what you saw, but it was a preseason game. The hell is that guy's name? The beer. Now I gotta figure it out. Oh yeah, Gerhard De Beer. That's what it was, Rowdy. Gerhard De Beer. Uh, comments from head coach Matt Lafleur. 
Uh, LaFleur was talking about... Like, yes. it was really disheartening to see that they couldn't get any sort of a run game going whatsoever. It was and terrible. there wasn't a ton of time for a lot of the quarterbacks when they dropped back to pass. But also, you have to remember that that's not the line or anything close to what the line's going to look like when yeah, they totally. start playing real football. A lot of these veterans are sitting out, select veterans sitting out. Basically, if you play for the Packers and you're somewhat buddies with Aaron Rodgers, you literally don't have to do anything. And Rodgers can bring back some of your old buddies because now they're th- uh, discussing bringing back Clay Matthews. Like if they trotted out an offensive line that was like Elkin Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Patrick Turner, and that same exact thing happened in like preseason game number three, like the first couple series, then I'd be a little worried. But <laughs> but as of right now, we got we got the big dogs just chilling, waiting in the weeds, right, Rowdy? I mean, that game was what it was. Yeah, it was the first was preseason nothing. game where you have a bunch of third, fourth stringers and guys that are trying to make the team play. And yeah, what do you know? A lot of the third, fourth offensive linemen aren't very good. Yeah, that's just we kind <laughs> I of think already every, know that. I think every single football team could have told you that. The only thing we all were like really dialed in on was what Jordan Love was going to be like, and Jordan Love. I thought it looked pretty good for the you know the the time being that he was in. He was supposed to play three quarters. Instead, he only went till halftime. He had that strip sack, and he hurt his shoulder. Head coach Matt Lafleur talks about the performance of Jordan Love. Here you go. I think there was a lot of great things he did. There's a few plays that certainly he'd like to have back, as is most quarterbacks in every game. Uh, the fourth down would be the one I would say would point to that was the most glaring. Just you know had a brain fart, and uh, that happens sometimes. So, but I thought all in all, I thought he did a nice job. For a guy who didn't play Rowdy for about 600 days, uh, had preseason robbed of him last year, uh, sat around in a tracksuit, I thought he did pretty good for a guy that last played a a meaningful game for Utah State under Gary Anderson's uh, terrible watchful eye. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think for the most part, he did look pretty decent. Yeah, I'm not going to say he looked outstanding. He didn't look bad. No. And now here's the thing, though. He set back a little bit. Uh, the shoulder, Jordan Love called it. It just kind of feels strained. MRI came back negative, clean. But Matt LaFleur talks about how Jordan Love is probably going to be missing some time in practice this week and could probably miss the second preseason game. Here's more from LaFleur. You never want to put a guy in a position where they can't protect themselves or they have or at further risk for significant injury. So we would never do that. Certainly, we'll try to do everything we can for not only Jordan, but any player that is injured to get them as healthy as possible. And when the docs give them the green light, then we'll put them out there. All right, so we were talking before the Jordan Love kind of discussion there, Rowdy, was how bad the line was for the Packers, how they couldn't establish the run game. Well, here's more from head coach Matt LaFleur. We didn't block very well. We couldn't even get the runners going until late in that fourth quarter. So that's something that we've got to clean up. It's a technique, and it wasn't necessarily mental assignments. It was more or less the technique of our guys. And so that would certainly be stressed all week. Yeah, it's you're just you don't got the big dogs in right. You're figuring some stuff out. You didn't have preseason last year, yada yada yada. It was just growing pains for the Green Bay Packers. And at the end of the day, here's the thing about uh, that Week One preseason game, Rowdy, and all the preseason games doesn't really matter unless you're trying to make a roster spot, right? When it comes to winning Vince Lombardi's trophy, it doesn't count on the win and loss record. So there's that, right? Am I wrong in saying that? Nope. And you all know that you're going to get your best effort from, in preseason that is, from teams that, one, are being coached by guys like uh, Harbaugh, who always want to go out and win every single game, a.k.a. the Baltimore Ravens, 
or first year head coaches that want to go out and make a statement. Yep. Like, and that's pretty historical fact when looking at not only how these preseason games go, but looking at, you know, how to bet these preseason games. <laughs> we had, well, we had our sports, uh, professional handicapper uh, Dave Essler on on Friday and he kind of talked about well a lot of these coaches kind of come out and tell you what they're going to do like yeah. the first year guys come out and say oh we're going to kind of set the tone for what I'm going to be here as a coach and then you have your other coaches that don't like to lose any games like the Harbaugh's of the world that go out there and play for keeps every single game whether it's the Super Bowl or the first game of the preseason I play for keeps and then you have like the Bill Belichick's who Kind of really doesn't care. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. Aaron Rodgers, the new GM of the Green Bay Packers, is, I don't know what this is. Are they just having fun at the expense of Brian Gutekunst and knowing that everyone's going to be like, yeah, Aaron, you're the new GM. Randall Cobb was out there and had a picture on Instagram of Clay Matthews, and it just said, at Clay Matthews 52 on Instagram, sup. Aaron Rodgers then uh, took that Instagram story made it his own story, and then he wrote his own text on it saying, bring him back. And then David Bakhtiari got a hold of it and said, hey, Packers, you up to bring back Clay Matthews? Yes, Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, and David Bakhtiari are all saying, championing to bring back Clay Matthews. No. Don't. Don't well. Rogers is the new GM now. I kind of feel like Randall Cobb is the assistant to the GM, and David Bakhtiari is the assistant to the assistant GM. So Rowdy, there's no way that Clay Matthews comes back to the Green Bay Packers, right? It's exactly what I said about Randall Cobb, and here we are. Randall Cobb is a Green Bay Packer. But I look at the two differences between bringing back Randall Cobb and bringing back Clay Matthews. No, real quick, the Packers actually have to trim the roster by five players today by three o'clock. I do believe. I think they have to get down to eighty-five players, so they have to cut people. Just to let you know. Sorry, continue. And I, I look at the two because on on the surface, I don't want to bring back either one. Randall well, and and Randy's back and, well, I think it was Brian Gutekunst kind of said it at the press conferences by. He's like, well, <laughs> he's like, we wouldn't have done this. If we it wasn't for wouldn't Aaron. have done this unless Aaron Rodgers, and this seemed to be a really important thing for Aaron Rodgers, so we brought him back. I mean, as Gutekunst kind of already made that decision a few years ago when he decided to not bring Randall Cobb back. I don't think it's all of a sudden as Randall Cobb got older and had more injuries, he'd be like, actually, I I made a mistake when he was younger. I actually do want to bring him back. No yeah. chance in hell. Yeah. Obviously, that was an Aaron Rodgers thing. Clay Matthews, we also saw Clay Matthews towards the end of his tenure was not as as effective as he was before. He also was having nagging injuries. Remember, he would always have the what was it, the hammy or the the quad and then Or he had like uh like uh split ends on his hair. So there was some always something with him and he, he wasn't he Dan- wasn't Dandruff. the same Clay Matthews that was the stud edge rusher that he was in the past. Rowdy, at one point for the Packers, he starred in more commercials than he had games played. But then I look at the two and I go, okay, well, looking at Randall Cobb in 2019, he did have a decent season with the Dallas Cowboys being healthy Mm -hmm. and, and playing like as the fourth, fifth receiver. Okay. 
2020, he actually played, though he did have some nagging injuries once again, but he was actually playing. You do have a third-round draft pick in Amari Rodgers who plays like the exact same position that Randall Cobb played for the Green Bay Packers, and it's probably not the worst idea if you wanted to bring in Randall Cobb to have him kind of mentor Amari Rodgers. So on the surface, you're saying this is a guy that's been playing. He did have a decent year in 2019 when healthy. He is 30-31. He's probably, this is probably about it. Maybe you can squeeze the last little bit of juice out of that uh, And it makes Rodgers happy. It makes him happy. He can help. He gets his BFF back. He's got a new roommate now because Randall Cobb's living with him. Yeah, help mentor the young kid that's. Shailene, you go you go do your movie in Albuquerque. I got Cobb coming, and I got a nice cuddle buddy. It's okay. But then you look at Matthews, and it makes even less sense because this isn't a 30, 31-year-old Randall Cobb. This is a 35 going on 36 Clay Matthews. This is old. Yeah. This is ancient in professional sports. Yeah. And then He's a free agent. Then you look on top of that. He did have a he did have a a bounce back season in 2019. Now it was in limited snaps. Joe Barry was working on that Rams defense, the new uh, defensive coordinator for the Packers. But you say that's a guy that's in his mid 30s that took a year off. We're, we're questioning whether Devin Funches was going to look like he's a guy in his mid 20s that took a year off. Yeah, we've seen a lot of players that were in their primes take years off. All right, and not come back the same player. Now so we're, we're saying about, no. To, we're saying no to Clay Matthews. Yeah, we're talking about a guy in the his long mid-30s. way around. Long way around it. We're saying no to Clay Matthews. He didn't play last year, and when you look at the position, so, you you have the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary. That's three guys that are already well, taking a ton of snaps. We all know that. Clay Matthews doesn't no longer fit with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's I mean that's well documented that he doesn't. Well, here's the thing: Clay Matthews did pretty good as an inside linebacker, despite not wanting to play there for the past couple of years of his career. Uh, then he moved back outside. But no, even at 35, Clay Matthews no to inside linebacker. Brian Gutekunst was on the podium yesterday, and how would you like to be Brian Gutekunst during all of this? Brian Gutekunst has now has to field questions from reporters about his players' Instagram posts. They were talking about bringing home Rodgers Caption Red for the uh, picture of Clay Matthews. Randall Cobb was saying, hey, sup. David Bakhtiari is saying, hey, Packers, you up? Let's sign this guy. Brian Gutekunst is fielding questions now about the players' Instagram posts on the podium yesterday. Gutekunst was asked about the Instagram posts, and Gutekunst said, and I quote, we've had no discussions about that. And that's kind of where he left it. What the hell is it? What's he supposed to say? Oh, I'm on the whims of whatever Rogers posts on social media. Yeah, I got. I, I got. I had to start an Instagram account to follow him because yeah, he wanted to get his followers up. So he made me follow him and said every time I post a story, I'm supposed to read his mind to you know to decipher what he wants to do. Well, it's clear that Rogers, Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari, are they joking? I don't know. Are they serious? Kind of seems like it. Brian Gutekunst, we've had no discussions about that. How would you like to be the GM, Rowdy, to field questions about what your players are posting on social media? If I was Brian Gutekunst, I'd be like, what is going on? Uh, I, ben Kenny's been hitting me up with some tweets right now I want to get to. Thanks for that, Ben. But Ben, you listen, Ben, can you grab that mic quick? I want to get Ben's take on your as well, Rowdy, before we get to, to these tweets that Roger's talking to Peter King here. Uh, I was scrolling through the Twitter sphere, and I saw our guy Ben Kenny uh, like a tweet. And Ben, the tweet you had liked, um, I'd have to get to. I'd have to get it again. 
It was what? Essentially that this this act that Rodgers is putting on is going to get really old quickly. So let me get the tweet here. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers GM stuff is going to be a nightmare in Green Bay. I see constant sniping. Clay Matthews is another example. The us-versus-them mentality he is perpetuating will get old and fast. And you like that tweet. It's it's already a nightmare. You, you okay in there? I it's I I think I liked this tweet when I was still in bed today and I wasn't fully woken up. <laughs> it's 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 a slow morning. That's okay, Ben. You got some coffee in you? I almost. All right. So the Aaron Rodgers now on social media that Brian Gutekunst has to field questions over it. Is this Rodgers in your opinion sniping? Because Rodgers was very adamant and vocal about how Clay Matthews was one of the guys who was disrespected on his way out. Is this a snipe? Is this a schneid backhanded post? From Aaron Rodgers to make Brian Gutekunst squirm on the podium? I mean, yeah, and it's working. It's like it, this is already a nightmare, but you ask the question going into all of it are these moves or, or are taking these questions enough to keep him around and is it worth it? Because I, I think Randall Cobb does help the football team. Clay Matthews wouldn't. But if you bring back Clay Matthews, like, is that the deciding factor to keep Rodgers around? Uh, Rowdy. What do you think? Is so this, you're asking non-football questions about these moves, which is why it's a nightmare. For Goody? For everybody. For, for the whole for organization? Like, like, this is annoying as hell. Rowdy? Is this a snipe at Brian Gutekunst? He's like, <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Now you got to go to the podium and talk about my Instagram post when it's preseason football. Well, like if you're Brian Gutekunst, say you do bring back Clay Matthews, where does it stop? Probably never. A- AJ Hawk coming up next? Yeah, when, when would it stop? Probably never. AJ Hawk, who uh, Jordy Nelson already said no. James Jones, John James Jones, John Kuhn, Brandon Jennings. Eh, that's not happening. They're not buddies. Yeah, Rogers. Greg Jennings. I don't know why. Greg Gre- Jennings. Great. That's still not ha- Greg Jennings. No, Rogers. Rogers. Rogers will probably say, "Hey, Gutekunst, dip into the Packers reserve rainy day fund to buy an island so I can exile Greg Jennings there." I bet you that would happen. Mark Murphy could build another he- uh, sledding hill. He could put. Jennings on top of it. I mean, I'll I'll ask you: Is all of this worth having him play quarterback this season? Probably yes. Well, I mean, it depends what happens, right? If he goes and wins and wins at a high level and gets the Packers to a Super Bowl, then yeah, it's totally worth it. But how about where we're sitting right now? Like, is all this worth having Rodgers instead of having to talk about Jordan Love as he's the starter? I mean, what Jordan Love? What he, he was fine. The drama I thought he looks good. I thought he looked good too. I mean, he's he was fine. He was like a step above fine. Yeah. Is this worth it, Rowdy? For now, it is. For now, it is. I like that. It does give us something to talk about on a Monday. And then, Ben, you linked me to these tweets as well. How about this, Rowdy? Aaron Rodgers apparently is uh, talking to Peter King right now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to Peter King nine minutes ago, and I quote, Last year at this time, I was looking at the season as my last year in Green Bay. And then he says, uh, Rodgers would have taken a gap year, apparently, and what he would have been doing if he didn't come back to play, quote, in another country doing something, traveling, outdoors. I'd like to go to parts of Europe I haven't been to, the south of France, then some of the historic stuff in Germany, Poland, and Belgium. So Rodgers already had plans. And what was it last week Rodgers said on uh, Sirius XM that he didn't know he was going to come back to the Packers till two days before training camp? So Rodgers was ready to uh, just take a gap year, go out and travel, backpack around Europe. Something about this season is not sitting right. What do you think, Rowdy? You got Brian Gutekunst feeling questions about Instagram stories. 
You have Rodgers saying he would have, was well set on taking off and backpacking around Europe. Something about this season just ain't sitting right with me. Well, I would just basically say if I was Brian Gutekunst, then do it. Benjamin, what do you think about that? Rowdy said if he was Brian Gutekunst, said just do it then. Retire. Oh, to Rogers. I thought you were saying to Clay Matthews. No, to, no. we're saying right now Clay stay retired. I yeah. was I've been or, screaming on these airways for them to cl- cut Clay Matthews since like 2017. So there's no way in hell I'd ever bring him back. <laughs> I mean, you don't Rowdy, go- no, no, no. Rowdy would bring him back for a one-day contract just to have him retire for sure. No, just to cut him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think what do you think Benjamin? I mean, once the season starts and football is played, everyone will realize that this whole charade is worth it. Because, is it though? Like, like Jordan Love can't go win though? games right now. What, what? So just for this one year. Do, you, do we all really think now? I hope in my heart of hearts, deep down, deep down in my plums, I hope the Packers win the Super Bowl. I they think have a great chance to do so. But what odds tell us right now about the Packers winning the Super Bowl? I don't even know what the odds are. I, like well, they're ben, up there. they've done it one well, time. I would, I would say just in, in 16 general, years with if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy and Aaron Rodgers wants to be on this team, the Green Bay Packers are set up to be successful and Super Bowl contenders for this year, next year, and the year following that. The next three years. So his contract. Exactly. That that's well, about, he won't be here after this year. Correct. That's why I said everything even. This team is set up with Aaron Rodgers playing well. To be a Super Bowl contender, a legit Super Bowl contender for the next three years. You know what I feel like right now? I feel like Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about the season, isn't content of making Brian Gutekunst squirm on the podium right now. Oh, no, I feel he like cares about I feel the like, season. I feel like he's a big pissing match, and Rodgers like, I got the bigger D in the room. Look what I'm going to do to you. He, he cares about the season, though. As soon as he steps on the field, all the other stuff's on the side. So right now, I think his attention, I, I agree with you, he does care about the season and what he said that himself. I wouldn't be here if I didn't care. The fire still burns is what he said. I think right now, though, he's like, I'm not going to play in the preseason. I didn't play last year in the preseason. I won the MVP. I'm not going to play in the preseason this year. And I'm going to, during the pre, here's my preseason, to piss off Brian Gutekunst and make him squirm on the podium. Here, look what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a social media post. Bring back well, Clay minus, Matthews. Minus working. the being pissing, <laughs> pissing off Brian Gutekunst, I think Brian Gutekunst is glad he doesn't want to play in the preseason. He wants to get every single look that he can out of Jordan Love. Yeah. I, I Agreed. I think it's working out in Brian Gutekunst's favor. He's like, okay. I'll field these dumbass questions about Instagram posts, but I'll get the last laugh. I'll look at Jordan Love. I'm going to trade you for a King Ransom coming up here. Like, oh, I'll do that. Right I, now, it's just setting up. There's like, there's a lot of, I feel like there's yeah, tension but, in the air. But the thing with that is Jordan Love's in year two of his contract. First round picks, you can have him up to five years. Yep. In theory, I mean, Goody can sit on Rodgers for the rest of what is his contract. And he still has Jordan Love sitting there. Rogers is gone after this year. He is. I, I heard callers earlier talking about Jordan Love's performance and calling it awful. Oh, that was Big Joe. That, like, you're, you're fine. I if, if I had all my emotions invested in how Jordan Love like was going to perform throughout his career, I know, uh, Saturday night's game was, was a great sign. I know you're a big fan. Charlie Charlie called in earlier and said Jordan Love looked good. So He did. So there you go. Your buddy, your, maybe your new roommate eventually. Was a, there was a lot of Favre. There were a couple of Favre plays to him. <laughs> where, where? No, I'm not kidding. Where he, he Did you even watch Favre? Yes. I'm not that young. A couple of Favre plays. He threw the ball like 12 times. Then. I'm not ready no, to go no, no. that He far. had a couple of plays where he <laughs> dropped back. The rush was on him before he could blink. And then instead of 
taking a check down or something, he just decided to throw it 50 yards down the field to a Find triple Funches. covered Devin Funches. Yeah. He's like, F it. It's like Rex Grossman. Oh, Bernard Berryman's triple covered downfield. F it. I'm going to throw the ball to him. Exactly. All right, well, let's not compare Jordan Love to Favre yet. We'll, yeah. we'll start with the Rex Grossman. Uh, I said there was some Favre there. We'll go with the Rex Grossman. Favre never, Favre never sat on the bench. Or sorry, Favre was a backup quarterback in Atlanta before being traded to Green Bay. He was never in a tracksuit. <laughs> the hell's Brett Favre doing here? So Travis Shaw was DFA'd by the Milwaukee Brewers. He's now back on the Boston Red Sox. Rowdy, there are some other moves to be made. Catch me up because I had literally no cell phone service over the weekend. Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Travis Shaw claimed off waivers by the Boston Red Sox. But if you're the Brewers, you're like, what are you going to do with them? He was a guy that yeah. helped carry your team and was pretty clutch for the most part in April for the Brewers when they were winning games. And he was offensively one of the few players that was hitting the baseball and driving in runs. But, I mean, look at how much the roster has changed since then. You acquired Willie Adamas. He's playing shortstop. Luis Arias became a real player at third base. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Colton Wong got healthy. And you also acquired Eduardo Escobar, who's swinging the bat yeah, really well. Damn good. And not to mention that you have just a long line of first basemen that are ready to play, too. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Rowdy, Travis Shaw, we, we sent him packing and say thanks for your services. Yep. It was fun while it lasted. We wish you well on your endeavors. And then one of the other seven guys that have played first base for the Milwaukee Brewers, Daniel Vogelback, completed his two-week uh, rehab assignment at Nashville. And uh, there's this guy on first base right now named Rowdy Telez who uh, just hit another bomb. Uh, what was that, Saturday night? Yeah, right? and he's absolutely been crushing it since being acquired from the Blue Jays. And then also, like we just mentioned, they had acquired Eduardo Escobar, who's also been playing first base. Again, like we just said, been hitting the baseball really well. And there's really no room for Daniel Vogel back. And I think at this point, they have the day off today. They start a new series in St. Louis on Tuesday night. I think at this point, they said, I'm going to go on an educated guess because I don't think Daniel Vogelback has any options remaining. Yeah, we were trying to look yesterday, right? And we couldn't really find any options for Daniel Vogelback. So then at this point, I think they're basically going to sit on Daniel Vogelback until tomorrow night until they figure out whether anyone comes up with a unforeseen injury in the next or 36 little, hours. I can't taste or smell, Pops. Yeah. I got the Rones. Or if someone comes down with COVID in the next 36 hours, that might be beneficial for Daniel Vogelback, or else I think he'll probably be DFA'd as well. I would and imagine by you, tomorrow night. Could you imagine if they DFA the barrel man himself, Daniel Vogelback? I would I would assume someone would pick him up. He, he was swinging the stick pretty good, wasn't he, in the, yeah. for Nashville? Both him and Travis Shaw were swinging the bat really well. Last night, like, he was batting like 370 almost, Vogelback. And then on top of that, the Brewers will have to make a, a more decisions come Tuesday because that's when... Uh, Adrian Hauser and Gustave become eligible to come off that COVID-19 list. So then what are they going to do there? Well, let's see. They made some moves already, right? So uh, Cur Curtis is done for the year because he had some tear in his elbow, right? Yeah, he blew his elbow out. Da is Daniel... Now, I didn't miss them dropping Daniel Norris, did I? Like, they're going to carry him just because they just traded for him, right? He's still on the roster. Man, he stinks. So, and then Justin Topa got sent back down to the minor. Yeah, so he pitched uh, in that first game of the doubleheader. He came in after Bre uh, Brett Anderson, where everything that could go wrong went wrong. 
Same exact thing with Justin Topa. Topa got hit hard, then it'd be like a walk, and then it'd be an error, and then it'd be like another soft contact hit. So there are some moves to be made. Well, how surprised were you? Or well, how yeah, how surprised were you, Rowdy, when you saw that Travis Shaw was DFA'd and then picked up by the Red Sox? Like, first of all, good for him. Like if anyone needs like a reunion tour and to be part of somewhere and welcome back with fans that liked him, Travis Shaw to the Red Sox, that's like a nice landing spot for him. But I guess, were you shocked or was it like, yo, man, it's a war of attrition. Like, where were we going to put you? I mean, it's kind of both for Vogelback and Shaw. It's like, where are you going to play? Somewhere else. I mean, when <laughs> when he, when Rowdy Telez was first acquired, we said, well, looking at it, it's kind of an indifferent move to me. At least it was at the time because – yeah, you upgraded first base, but you basically, Telez was just a little bit better than what Vogelback had done in his better years. Mm-hmm. So there was just, it was like you got better, but you got marginally better. But Telez has swung the bat much better than Vogelback has this year at the big league level. Yeah, Rowdy Telez had our and, some rocket sauce on it on Saturday. And he's a legit first baseman, not a Vogelback who was a DH and then played first base here and there. I just, I'm more, I'm more interested to see what the Brewers do on the pitching side of things, because remember September call-ups expand just two roster spots. And that's, yeah, that's in early September here. So we're still two weeks away from that, but look at the, look at the guys currently that are on their, their pitching staff at the big league level, Brett Anderson, Brad Boxberger, Corbin Burns, Jake cousins, Josh Hader, Eric Lauer, Daniel Norris, Freddie Peralta, Miguel Sanchez, Hunter Strickland, Brent Suter, Devin Williams, Brandon Woodruff. Like, who are you getting rid of? Norris is the weakest Norris. link. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. And obviously, they just they just traded. Now, be it it was a low level minor leaguer that wasn't coveted whatsoever, but you just traded for him literally two weeks ago. Yeah. Sorry, well, chocolate went up as a loss. Send you on your way. Thanks so much. I think when Adrian Hauser comes off here, that's probably exactly what they're going to do. Take your chances with him getting claimed, or else. I guess uh, either accept the uh, outright to AAA or become a free agent. Yeah. Brewers got some uh, interesting moves to make, Rowdy. But it's a good thing, I guess, right? It just shows that they're extremely deep. They're, and, and they're good. And not only are they extreme, extremely deep on the pitching staff, but they're extremely deep, obviously, with batters as well. The fact that you're going to have to DFA a lot of players coming up here. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So the Brewers now, it's... I think it's still 60, 60 players that have appeared for the Milwaukee Brewers so far this season when Topo came in um, last week. So they're at 60 right now. Let's see here. Brewers have tonight off, obviously. And then up next, Corbin Burns will take the bump tomorrow in St. Louis. Burns coming off that MLB record by striking out 10 straight batters in his last start against the Cubbies. Have the Cubbies... have? Are the Cubbies honestly at? Have they lost twelve in a row now? Yeah, they've been terrible. God, you just you just love to see it. Absolutely hilarious. Let's hope uh, here. I will. How about this, Rowdy? I will begin to cheer for the Chicago Cubs tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday as the Cubs go to Cincinnati to take on the Reds. Is is that okay for me to say? Can I say that? The go. I guess fly the W for the next three games here. That's fine, right? Sure. Yeah, we'll take that. As the Brewers are, what, eight games up on the Reds for the NL Central? Man, you look at the Brewers' 40-man. There's only one guy that's left currently on their 40-man, 
or I guess, sorry, two guys left on their 40-man that haven't appeared yet in a big league game. <laughs> who's that? Dylan File, who's been injured for most of the season with an elbow injury yeah. and just started uh, doing some rehab, I believe, in like double A. And the other one is Kyle Lobstein. Never even heard of him. I think he is a recent pickup. How's the clogging coming, Kyle? <laughs> so I'm not expecting either of them to appear. Could you I imagine? mean, barring any barring any unforeseen injuries or things happening to the Milwaukee Brewers, I think they're probably going to finish with 60 guys playing. Crazy. That's just crazy. Which still blows out their, yeah, their past other, record. Yeah, their past record was like 53, something low 50s. And that goes back all the way to the uh, Pilots, the Seattle Pilots, actually. And don't forget that same Oop, season the as song. they were the, uh, that's not the right song. Seattle Pilots. That was also... Remember remember the stories from the first year of being the Seattle Pilots to the Milwaukee Brewers where they actually were using the, the old Pilots, Pilots jerseys? You can still see the stitching that's a Pilots on it. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Brewers are just, by the way, best team in the majors on the road as well. Third best team in baseball currently. Crazy. What's the, What are they on pace to win now? Is it still like 98? The yeah. Brewers are 72-47. and 47. So, I mean, they are currently on pace to win 98 games. 98 games. Woo-hoo, and I think their projection on 538 was I'm 96. Right I'm looking right now. Let me get that real quick. Rowdy, correct. 96 and 66. 